everyone, and welcome back to Astrology Now podcast. My name is Christine Rodriguez, and this is our full moon forecast for June 14th, 2022. Before we get into our forecast, I want to remind you all that I study the Vedic sidereal system of astrology, which is different than the Western tropical system. If you would like to learn more about the difference between Western and Vedic, go to my website, innerknowing.yoga, click on media, and then astrology now. I have a podcast embedded there. If you would like to see your chart, go to my website, go to offerings, and then chart to see where the planets were placed astronomically at the moment of your birth. So according to the sidereal system of astrology, this full moon is going to be in the sign of Scorpio in the nakshatra of Jeshta. And so we're going to spend some time talking about the full moon, the significance of the full moon, things that have come up for me in contemplation. And then we'll spend some time talking about Venus and Mars. I want to touch a little bit more on Saturn retrograde, and then we'll wrap up. My previous podcast, um, it was like almost an hour. And I think it's amazing when people have that level of attention span. <laughs> I feel like people do really well with like 25, 30 minute podcasts. So I'm going to try to keep it brief. I myself am a shorter podcast type of person, um, or I listen to podcasts in segments. So I'll listen to half and then the other half later. But um, so I'm going to try to keep this digestible, but looking at this full moon. So remember that the full moon is when the moon and sun are opposing one another. And so the light received from the moon, it will fill the moon to its full capacity. And so at that moment, it's going to be around 635, um, maybe a little bit later, but around that time, central time, because I am in Austin, Texas, so it'll be earlier in the morning if you're in the States or Canada or Mexico. It'll kind of vary depending on where you are. But around that time, the moon is going to be at its peak brightness. And when this occurs, when we have a full moon, the moon represents the mind. It represents the emotional body, and it also is associated to the masses, so it impacts everyone. And so this is why when the moon is full, people say crime rates go up or accidents happen. We may bleed more if we get a cut. Energy is heightened for everyone, and we may even feel a little bit more restless, a little bit less content. You know, our mind may be a little bit quicker than usual. So it is something to be mindful of. We want to be mindful of more anxiety, uh, more churning thoughts, more impulsivity, you know, being more accident prone as well. But the beautiful element of the full moon, from what I feel, is that it creates more awareness. It brings more light to things. It's like shining a flashlight into the inner facets, inner workings of our mind. And so it's a fantastic time for spiritual practice, for personal introspection. This moon specifically, when the moon is in Scorpio, in the sidereal system of astrology, the moon is debilitated. And this moon will be in the Gandanta degrees. And remember that Gandanta has this association to drowning. It's literally related to a knot. 
It's the knot at the end of a water sign, beginning of a fire sign. So because the moon is moving to the final degrees of Scorpio into the beginning degrees of Sagittarius, it's moving through that Gandanta zone. And this point is so potent. <laughs> this point between Scorpio and Sagittarius because as you move into Sagittarius you get into Mula Nakshatra which is the galactic center and so this is this very very deep sensitive point in the night sky and so I want you all to be mindful of emotional upheavals emotional mood swings having the ups and downs feeling impulsive but it's also an amazing time to notice as I was saying with that flashlight notice patterns notice tendencies every time we get triggered this is an opportunity to learn more about ourselves this is an opportunity to see our patterns and then therefore change our patterns and we're going to talk quite a bit about this when we talk specifically about jeshta um, but just a final word on the gandanta is the way I like to visualize it is there's this knot in the sky and within that knot there is karmic retribution. There are karmic patterns, karmic ties to previous lifetimes, you know, previous sanskaras, previous impressions in our mind, rather it be this life or last life. And so as planets move through the Gandanta degrees and that knot unravels, things may come up. But I don't view this as a bad thing. When things come to the surface, that's the learning opportunity. If we never got triggered, if we never had karmic retribution, we wouldn't have the opportunity to grow and evolve. So this is the time to be on the lookout for these hints of what needs to be healed. Okay, and again, it may be kind of difficult because the moon in Scorpio, it, it, it's debilitated. You know, the moon is debilitated. Um, it's being aspected by Saturn. It, it's also being aspected by Jupiter, which definitely gives some support. It's being aspected, of course, by the sun and Mercury, but it's a lot of energy for the moon. And so I definitely recommend self-care practices, taking it really nice and easy. You know, try not to act without thinking try to really give yourself space between feeling any type of trigger and then your response so really working on responding rather than reacting I know that we've spoken about this before but I want to spend some time talking about jeshta and the mind you know if you follow me on Instagram I spoke a little bit about this um, but we'll cover new stuff too so when the moon is in Jeshta, <laughs> Jeshta is one of these really mystical, kind of deep, kind of dark nakshatras. And in the mythology, or in the stories, I should say, because I don't see it as something made up, but in the stories, Jeshta is the eldest sister. So she's the eldest of the 27 nakshatras. And when she learned that the moon was spending extra time with Rohini, right? Rohini is in Taurus where the moon, it does really well. And when Jeshta learned that the moon was spending more time in Rohini, all of the sisters got upset. But it was Jeshta that told 
on Chandra, told on the moon. And think about that, right? Scorpio is opposite of Taurus. So Scorpio is kind of becoming an enemy of the moon in a way. And so Jeshta is known for rivalry, jealousy, uh, taking charge, taking control, being authoritative. And so in one regard, this could be a powerful time to look at our own authority and make sure that we're using our power for good, that we're not exerting power to punish, that we're not exerting power to manipulate or control, but we're exerting power over ourself, our own faculties, and what we can control. This is going to tie into what we talk about later. This, of course, also has this association to jealousy. So notice, notice if jealous feelings arise around this time period. If it's possible, remembering that jealousy is an indicator that something, someone, they have something that we want. And so can we turn that jealousy into appreciation, into inspiration, instead of seeing someone and say, oh, you know, She's got the perfect hair, she's got the perfect clothes, he has this perfect voice, and feeling resentful, feeling, you know, jealous. Is it possible to turn it into, you know, I love her hair, maybe I should get a similar haircut. I love the way she stands up for herself. I want to model my behavior after that. He has this really amazing presence. You know, how can I, maybe I can learn something from him. Maybe he can teach me something. So it's turning that jealousy and turning it into the appreciation and inspiration because there is something within us that can level up. It can do better. It can change. Just like triggers teach us that there's something to heal when we feel jealous. It's this indicator and sign that there's something within us that can do better, something within us that can do more. Are we willing to put in that work? Are we willing to put in that effort? So think about that. And we may find that we actually get more responsibility that day or around that time. There may be more pressure. There may be an extra workload that we have to take on. Our partner may ask us for a favor. There may be something that happens where we need to take more control. We need to take charge. We need to be more responsible. In the world around us, notice, because Jeshta is ruled by Indra, the chief of the gods, and so there can be this desire for power, and as I mentioned, desire for control. So we may see people in the outer world struggling for control, struggling to be authoritative, and communicating as such. So notice in the world around, notice in our own personal lives, we want to be careful you know just avoid any type of tension with authority figures just wait until it kind of blows over but I do foresee people in power this is going to be a time where they are making more moves to gain control making more moves to gain power or even just demonstrate dominance so the symbol for Jeshta is an umbrella or a ring, like a circle. And I love this imagery because what it signifies is protection. When we have an umbrella, it's protecting us from the elements. It's protecting us from the rain. A circle is like a circle in the sand. 
you know, circle around us, the circle of protection. And what I think about is boundaries. Simple. Having boundaries. But, and my therapist and I have spent so much time talking about this, and I've been seeing her for, oh my gosh, since 2017, something like that. Maybe even earlier, 2016, 2017. We've had a long, (laughs) we've had a long go at this. But something that we spent a lot of time talking about in these years is boundaries. And something that I've learned is that we think that boundaries are these really sharp implementations we create for other people. Like, this is my boundary. If you cross it, you know, screw you. Go away. F off whatever. We create these boundaries as if it's this hard wall of protection, but it's setting it up for other people. We set up a boundary for someone else, maybe even without communicating it, and then we become appalled if they cross it, you know, and it may make us feel violated, out of control, unsafe, fearful, resentful, But the trick to boundaries is that they're not for other people. We don't set boundaries or we shouldn't set boundaries for other people. We set boundaries for ourselves. When we set a boundary for ourselves, what it means is we are or are not willing to engage in this thing. I am not willing to do X, Y, or Z. If this person does this thing, I'm not willing to get back together with them. I'm not willing to move on from that. If this person does this thing, I am going to file a complaint. You know, I am going to take charge to protect myself if this person crosses the boundary that I'm upholding for myself. But then the important piece comes in with if you don't follow through with your own boundary, That's how you lose trust in yourself. When we put up boundaries for ourselves, what we are or are not willing to engage in, when we follow our own boundary, that's when trust is built. So for example, let's just say you're in a relationship with someone and they want to go to a club that feels nefarious to you and you don't want them to go. You can say, hey, you know, you going to that club is actually a boundary for me. And if you want to go, you can. But I want you to understand that if you go, that's the end of our relationship. I'm not willing to cross that boundary for myself. I'm not willing to have a partner that goes to clubs like that. If you rely on that other person to either cross or not cross your boundary, you are giving them all of the power and all of the control. What a true boundary is, you state your need to someone, and then they will do what they want. We cannot control them. If the person says, okay, you know, I hear you. I'm going to prioritize this. I'm not going to go to the club. Then you can say, okay, like that's fine with me. As long as the person I'm dating isn't going to nefarious clubs, all good. But if they choose to go to that club, it's not them choosing to go to the club that really broke the boundary. What would break the boundary is you continuing to date that person, even though you told them that was your boundary. That is you stepping over your needs, stepping over your wants, 
stepping over your expectations, stepping over your desires. You're the one who broke the boundary by choosing to engage with someone who's going to these nefarious clubs that you hate. Do you see how that works? Because we can't control or manipulate or mold how other people are or how they're going to live their life or what their priorities are going to be. We hope that we find people who have the same shared values and morals and ethics and and they want to uphold our boundaries just as much as we want to uphold our boundaries, you know. But at the end of the day, we can't rely on the outer world to do that for us. When we set a boundary, we have to follow the boundary. And the important thing to note here is that when we overstep our own boundary, that's when we lose trust in ourselves. That's when we lose faith in ourselves because we are abandoning ourselves and not doing what we need to do to keep ourselves safe. Do you see how that works? When we create a boundary, we let it be known that we're not willing to cross over it. When we cross over it, when we make that decision, that is self-abandonment, that's self-betrayal. But every time we uphold a boundary and we don't engage with what we know makes us feel unsafe, that is how trust is created and that's when true healing begins. And it doesn't even have to be extreme. Like I was using this club as an example, you know, we could use infidelity as an example, but it could be something very small, not wanting to go to a party. (laughs) I don't want to go. Boundary, not going. You know, it could be, and of course, it's like there's always compromise and negotiation and all that good stuff, especially in relationship, it gets a little bit more complicated. But just for us on an individual level, Keep in mind that trust is created when you operate to uphold the boundary set for yourself. I hope that that makes sense. So that circle of protection, it resides in all of us. All of us have this inner ring of protection that is built from our own personal boundaries, our own ability to be secure in ourselves, our ability to retain our resources and power and not outsource it to others. It's having faith in our own ability to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves without relying, again, on the outer world to do it. Something that I was talking about on Instagram was mental health as a spiritual practice. Because what I'm talking about now, it's just a shift in perspective. All we're doing is shifting the way that we're viewing something. And so mental health as a spiritual practice, spirituality And the quest for higher truth, right? Truth with a capital T, the ultimate reality. On this quest, what we're doing is we are seeking what is real. We are seeking to be clear. But if we're moving through the world with our distorted thinking patterns, trauma, limiting beliefs, with any type of distortion that has occurred through hardship. We are viewing the world, we are viewing people's behavior, we're viewing circumstances through a lens, again, that has distortion on it. So we are unable to see people clearly. We're unable to see their behavior clearly, we're unable to see circumstances clearly. So 
on this path towards truth, it's all of our personal responsibility, jeshta, taking authority, taking charge. It's our responsibility to clear ourselves of these distorted thinking habits, to clear our mind of perspectives that are not serving us, to work through some, you know, residual trauma, things from the past that are influencing the present. That's not us in our truth. That's not authentic. And we have to work to become honest with ourselves and authentic in who we are in this moment to see the world around us with more clarity and with more truth with more objectivity because that's the path it's seeing things with equanimity it's seeing things with objectivity and in order to do that we cannot be projecting our own garbage (laughs) onto everything and I've seen this you know even in my partnership relationships are a spiritual practice also in my opinion relationships with friends families partners whoever connecting with other people that's the best way to gain clarity on what we need to work on but with him you know I've I've noticed these patterns that I have and as I work to rid myself of those patterns I can see him more clearly I can see his behavior more clearly and when I'm not projecting my stuff onto him I get to see the reality of the potential of the relationship. Isn't that amazing? And this can happen with anything. If we rid ourselves of unhelpful projection, we can see the true potential of our lives, of our interactions, with that sweet, authentic, clear space. And the path of healing, it's never ending. It, it goes on and on and on. You know, it, it, there's always something to come up, or at least for me. You know, I'm not an enlightened being. My teacher, Raghu, he always says he's a dented can. And I can't relate with that more. You know, and it's almost like the more that I go to therapy, the more that I work on myself, the more dense I find. And it's actually quite liberating <laughs> to accept the fact that I am just a can. And, um, you know, I have no complaints about that. And it's okay. It's okay to have things that we're working on to not be perfect to project sometimes, as long as we take responsibility, as long as we know that it's our job to fix these things. And and when we can realize that the outer world is shaped by our perspective, we are creating a reality by how we look at things. And we want that perception, we want those lenses to be as clear and as objective as possible. Coming back to that idea of boundaries, we can't project this idea that it's the world around us, it's their responsibility to uphold our boundaries. It's our responsibility to keep ourselves safe. You know, we have to rid ourselves of this false idea that we're not good enough, this false idea that we won't know which choice to make, that we don't know what's best for ourselves, that we can't keep ourselves safe, that we're not good enough, that we can't do this thing. All of that is a limited, distorted fragment of some wound from our past. And when we get clear of that, again, the potential of what's at our fingertips is endless. And so I hope that that's helpful. Boundaries, keeping ourselves safe, taking authority, taking charge and responsibility for our own perspectives in life. And if something is going wrong, my rule of thumb is this. If something is going wrong, I am the first person I look to. 
If I'm having a fight with someone, I look at how I contributed to it. If something is going wrong at work, I look at what I did to cause it. If there's something I'm dissatisfied with, what have I done to create it? When something is going wrong, I am the first person I turn to to try to figure out what happened and how I can make things better, how I can make things right, what I can change in myself to be better, to do better. So again, I hope that that's helpful for you. I hope that that uh, brings something to your life um, in a supportive way. So that is going to be our full moon. The full moon is a time of releasing and letting go. So hopefully you're feeling inspired. And so switching gears a little bit, talking about Venus and Mars. Wherever Rahu and Ketu are placed, the dispositor of those signs are the karma control planets. So wherever they're transiting, that is going to bring about events. So right now, because Rahu is in Aries and Ketu is in Libra, Venus and Mars are of utmost importance. And so as we speak, Venus is in Barney Nakshatra. Remember, Venus is important because it rules Libra, which is where Ketu is. <laughs> it's a karma control planet right now. So Venus could be bringing up sudden unexpected events, but it could also be bringing these sudden breakthroughs, sudden downloads of information. So it is a powerful time for personal introspection. Venus will enter Critica, however, on June 15th. It will stay there until the 26th. So because Venus is such an important player right now, notice things in your life that feel cutting. You know, there may be something that is severed in this time period. You may cut something out of your life. Something may leave your life. It could also be that something splits into two. So something could come up where uh, something is divided, something is cut into two, something is separated, something is cut away. Be mindful of sharp objects too. Uh, whichever house Venus is in for you. So for example, like me, I'm a Cancer Ascendant. Venus rules the 4th and the 11th. And so when Venus is in Critica, I want to be really mindful of things around my home, property, real estate, vehicle, but then it could also be around friendships. You know, maybe my friendships are a little bit more cutting. Maybe they're a little bit more straightforward. There could be some sort of challenge there. So I want to be careful. And so notice in your own chart, notice which houses Venus rules. That will be what is impacted by Critica. Now I want to talk about Mars because Mars is our other karma control planet. Mars rules Aries. Okay. Mars is going to be Gandanta from June uh, just to be safe, I'm going to put some extra days from June 23rd to July 2nd. Obviously, this is a little bit later in the month, but I want y'all to have it on your radar. And I want you to be mindful of the houses that Mars rules for you and which house it's transiting. And we will talk about this on Patreon. Of course, I do the weekly horoscopes, patreon.com slash astrology now podcast. But if you're at home and you're looking, you want to see the houses that Mars rules. Mars is anger, irritability, frustration, how we handle these things and its warlike tendencies. So as it goes Gandanta, there may be issues around anger, aggression, frustration that come up in our personal lives in the world around us. 
Of course, it could also be that we're getting triggered, you know, that we're having opportunities to learn more about how we handle anger, how we express frustration. I just want y'all to be mindful on a global level. I want us to be mindful. And then of course, at the end of July into August, yet again, we have more to talk about. But I wanted to share this with you all because I wanted to emphasize the importance of Venus and Mars because I'm going to be talking about them a lot. And so I wanted to share the reason for that. So please do have that on your radar and be paying special attention. And, you know, we've had a lot of violence here in the last couple of weeks. Mars is a culprit. All right. Mars is a karma control planet. It's been moving through these difficult nakshatras of Pisces, Purva Bhadrapada and Uttara Bhadrapada. It brings about difficulties. So wanted to point that out. I only have one more thing to talk about. I wanted to talk about Saturn retrograde because I didn't talk about this on the previous podcast. And we discussed some ways that Saturn would influence the world at large or our personal lives. I did a segment on Patreon. But I also want to talk about Saturn being the bones. Saturn is the bones in our physical body. But Saturn is also the bones of society. And it's the bones that uphold our daily life and our daily habits. So as Saturn retrogrades, this is a time not only to review the structures of society and rather or not they're working, reviewing our day-to-day habits. <laughs> what is working for us? What is not working for us? What habits are contributing to the person who we want to be? What habits are leaving us feeling bad and shameful you know because if we're feeling shame if we're feeling guilt around something sometimes it's unnecessary but other times it means that we need to change what we're doing what we're doing is not in alignment for us anymore we need to change what we're doing it's time to take control it's time to take charge of that and again this this period of time is very powerful for breaking bad habits and getting out of these negative patterns so please keep that in mind So it could be a physical thing that we're engaging with daily that we want to stop, but it can also be thinking patterns, (laughs) how we think about things, how we perceive things, how we view things. And I made a long post about this on Instagram. I had this crazy experience recently, and this has happened to me before, but again, it's like it's it's going deeper. Like I, I realized this phrase in my mind, it doesn't even belong to me. Like there's this phrase that plays in my head, usually when there's a tough circumstance, like if I lose something or um, if there's a challenge, you know, if, if there's something that's relatively, to be honest with you, devastating, there's a phrase that plays in my mind. And I realized recently that that voice isn't even my voice. It actually belonged to my dad. And again, like I've had this type of circuit, like this situation before where I realized something I was saying like belonged to my mom or belonged to a teacher or whatever, and it ingrained itself in my brain. And I was like, wait a second, that's not my voice. This is an inauthentic voice from the past. And then, you know, I worked to change it. But this one has been in there for so long. <laughs> and it's it's so deeply associated to how I grieve and how I process and how I move through challenges. And so I'm so grateful that I caught it. And that I'm able to work with it because it's totally changing how I um, move through grief. And it's kind of a lot to go through. So I don't want to share the full story now. Um, But just to be brief is the voice in my head was, it's done. 
what's done is done, move on, that's life. Those were the types of phrases that would happen in my head when something negative happened. And, you know, in in the past, some of the other ones that have been in my mind is like, he doesn't care. They don't care. She doesn't care. It doesn't matter. You don't matter. It's your fault. You know, these were the kinds of um, phrases that had been instilled that I realized weren't mine. They were things that I had heard. They were things that I had absorbed, but they're not my own. And so I'm inviting you to notice what phrases are happening in your mind that aren't your own, that arise particularly in challenging experiences. And so I wanted to share that with you all just to give an example of what I'm talking about, the voices in our mind, because we have mantra. We have mantra, which is a vibrational sound that attunes us to something higher, you know. Om Surya Namaha, Hari Krishna, Hari Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hari Hari, Hari Ram, Hari Ram, Ram Ram, Hari Hari. These are mantras that attune us to something on this vibrational frequency that are higher. But vibration is so powerful. We know this through science. That's why when we hear these phrases, they seep their ways into our mind. And they reveal themselves and they live through action. They live through our behavior. But when we notice those sounds, when we can catch that frequency and understand that it was instilled in us through osmosis, you know, through someone else, it's not our voice, it's not our mind, that's when we realize it's a distortion. It did not come from us. It did not come from source energy. It doesn't belong there. Doesn't mean it's, you know, super harmful. Doesn't mean it's malignant. But we need to work on removing it. That is part of the process of polishing the mirror so that we can see more clearly through our authentic nature. So just like our daily habits are bones, our thinking patterns are bones. And they contribute to our health, wellness, mental health, physical health, etc. Vibration is everything. Keep that in mind. (laughs) So, all right, that's all I have for the astrology reviewing daily life, reviewing habits, reviewing how we handle and navigate things. Is it helpful? Is it not helpful? I hope that you all have a beautiful full moon. If you ever have any questions, you're welcome to message me at astrologynowpodcast at gmail.com. My website is innerknowing.yoga. My Patreon account where I do weekly horoscopes for each of the 12 zodiac signs is astrologynow. No, it's patreon.com slash astrologynowpodcast. And my Instagram is astrologynow underscore podcast. Again, my name is Christine Rodriguez. This is Astrology Now. Thank you so much.